it, it's funny. This is the last podcast for the year, but it's not the last recording for the year. Yeah, yeah, it messes yeah. with my brain. But, um, yeah, but here, yeah. here's what we here's what we should do for today, right? Is we should have an episode that wraps up the year. I think so. We could cover the the big stories in the industry or in in business, but just high level. I don't want to go into yeah. yeah, yeah. McKinsey this PwC data or whatever, but I think big picture, we could then also summarize a few things, a few highlights from this very podcast. If, yeah, if you want to do that, like we could do that. We could be, we could tell people about. Oh, I'm sorry, Canada, but you've been dethroned apparently. <laughs> yeah. So now we can summarize that, and then if you're up for it, we can also reflect on what were our highlights in the year. I don't know if you have any. Like, they should be like no, no personal stuff, but as it relates to the podcast, I don't know if you have any learnings or things you. I feel like fucked people... up, and you're glad that the year is over. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like people seem to love account-based marketing when we talk about it. Yeah, even that though is that is that is something that's something that I've learned because, to be honest, it doesn't feel that complicated because we've been doing that on the fly rather than even as a focus because it's just the it's just the term du, du jour and i think to to its credit it's more practical and helpful than i don't know gen ai stuff which you can't hear anymore but should, should we get into it i mean yeah, should we yeah, say let's, let's get right into it big question is it going to be a surprise intro but we could maybe use that as a cold intro open whatever but do you still need to say uh, you know welcome to this Latest and probably final episodes <laughs> of for the, the year. year. For the, for the of year. the year that was 2023, right? Uh, From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. So, welcome to this. Thanks for listening in all the, what I will presume is the pre-holiday hectic for yeah, the majority I mean, of this audience, right? If I've you been do that super busy, so I, I, I completely get this pre-holiday hectic rhetoric yeah i feel pretty i feel it's been crazy at work though i'm not so i'm not that i don't have the oh buy a christmas tree do this and that hectic we our family does not go into in for that too much but but i can get when people do it or have it plus there was some end of year craziness but i think it's time to to reflect as i've read in so many christmas cards i've received by the way can i do this again i do this every year can i do my christmas card rant real quick did I do that last year? Because, well, of, because I've received a couple by both very large and very small consultancies. And they are emails and they're nicely designed. And there's some warm health text in them, which some of those read like they've been written by ChatGPT, right? Data so, centers are probably data centers are probably aglow with I, the robots I, punching out Christmas I should, card copy. <laughs> I, I should I should caveat that my father used to work in one of the big well it was eight i think back in the day yeah but and this whole thing of holiday collateral was a bullshit big deal back then even more than today it's like 
every client had something to give, which is either a diary or a calendar or some something. Oh, I remember like that. that as well. I, yeah, when, yeah, I, was... when I started in the industry uh, at the big four and the business development practice, we would package up uh, wine bottles and stuff. So yes. for clients. So those... And and there would be compliance checks on the prices of the wine for tax reasons and all that. So there was some effort being put into it. And maybe I sound like an old man, but my point with the email greeting card that ChatGPT wrote for you, my point there is, it's fine if you send that to me because I'm a very small shop and I'm probably your service provider, so I'm getting it. But if you're sending that to your seven-figure accounts, there there better be also some diaries or wine bottles. Is my point because this is just this is so impersonal and not helping the relationship. You might as well not do it. I think yeah. if you're being presented by your marketing team or as a marketing leader, you see the Christmas card draft come in, or it, maybe it's a video, right? If there's a bit more budget, and you look at this, the the, the check, the gut check you should run is: if I were to receive this, would this make my day better? Would this make me feel seen as a client or, you know, God forbid, a human being? And if the answer is no, okay, maybe, all right, send this year's edition, but then early next year, start early to reflect about how you can maybe do a bit better on that front. I don't know. It's a people keep telling me it's a people and relationship business. And they reiterate it to me to no end. And then they send me chat GPT draft V4 email. Yeah, no, I, right. I completely agree. And I also can say that, these times because in this like in his day there were no emails when it first started i mean of course he used emails by the end of his career we yeah. start there were no emails it was almost always you get the collateral and you visited the client's office and you but gave the had, collateral but they had when you... fax machines right so cheaper options oh than God. whatever he did let's not, let's not but they to... opted to not do that they opted to do something yes, more special all... It was always a personal touch because they would yeah. always decide which amongst the collaterals should they give <clears throat> to a person. It was almost always face-to-face -face unless there was no way to yeah. meet the person during the month of December. And in those cases when they couldn't meet and what they did was send them and you'd get them like at the start of the new year or whatever. But this was, it was always a personal touch. So I would agree that a chat GPT created mailer greeting is a very <laughs> I mean, I'm, impersonal. I'm, I'm like it, and even if it doesn't matter, like it doesn't matter to me either, it's just going to be something where you're just going to be like, what is this? Also, let's put it this way. When you're launching key things, like when you've launched huge pieces of thought leadership, and I know this back when you and I used to work together, and each time you launched huge pieces of thought leadership, you also used to have a personal touch to go to the clients. So this is, here's a fun way that we are launching the stuff. It's, look, I'm not saying, right, okay, it's a resource strain planet and so forth. I'm not saying everybody has to yeah. build a board game for whatever. But my and, and I know I'm exaggerating, but, but because probably of all those firms sending me those emails, they had some plays also for their A-level clients or whatever. Yeah. Hopefully. Because I know... In a few cases, and these are not clients I'm working with, but I know in a few cases, right, that was it. They had the greeting emails, they went out. I sometimes feel inclined to say, if that little care and thought is put into it, don't send anything at all. People will not yes. likely not notice, right? They're getting enough of those Christmas emails whatsoever. So they're likely, they might not even notice. It might be the case, and you can take a different position, but my feeling is, it might be less of a damage to not send anything than, yeah. than to send these emails. 
Yes. Because in, in one case, I'll tell you this, in one case I've gotten that one <clears throat> from someone rendering services to me mm -hmm. and we had a few ups and downs and blah, 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 and I spent a sizable chunk of last year's or this year's revenue even for those services and we had to work together to, you know, fix some glitches, which we eventually did and now I'm quite happy. But they send me the same generic thing. It even came from a mass mailer email address. And I'm like, that sure pissed me off a little bit i'm not gonna deny it okay but maybe we can shelve the yes <laughs> yeah, let's, let's sh yeah let's shelve and get into our festive review of the year right i think i don't know do you have a summary of the this year in consulting like look at everything that's happened basically when you when you look at the entire consulting world there was the legal stuff that happened over summer which resulted in mass stuff. bunch of scandals yeah as <laughs> we could call it that was, that yeah. was for big that was for big consulting sure but i think it, it, it I, I would say it didn't help the industry overall right no but, it didn't help um, the industry overall because essentially there <laughs> is there are certain things that are totally fine and legal for instance like how some companies do account-based marketing that's nothing new or wrong newspapers reporting about it in some sort of negative way just sounds ridiculous. But at the same time, there's been actual corruption and weird shit that goes on, which yeah. isn't, you know, which isn't which, cool. which That yeah. would have been in my headline also from looking at the industry. I would also say 23 was the year of scandals and headwinds, right? You had that and they play off of each other in some way because you had those scandals going on. And then also that I think also had impact on demand, right? Because governments were halting contracts, all that stuff. So I think the public sector was, did, I, I'm not, I don't have much insight into that particular type of consulting, I'll, I'll have to say, but, but surely that, that must have come down. And then as you and I know, or everybody has read, right? All the other areas of the business were impacted also. Sometimes in a bit of a weird motion, like the, we, we've discussed this in a previous episode in the podcast, right? But it felt almost like because the big firms had overhired and needed to step on the brakes, the smaller guys felt like, oh my God, the crunch is coming. You also yeah, have the, to uh, hit the brake. And then took them to realize, yeah, yeah. Had, took them a bit to realize that no, actually demand was still there. And I mean, there were areas which were struggling, right? I don't know. Well, retail demand... to make one up, but many other areas that actually... I checked yesterday, by the way, there's, I'm getting the name wrong of the, someone runs a stock market index of consultancy service firms that are listed. Mm -hmm. And the index, the growth of that index for 2023 was just above 30%, right? In, in index share price, yeah. whatever, right? So that's not revenue of those firms. That's the index share value of the shares in that basket. So yeah. Was not maybe that bad. I don't know. I um, mean, if you go back to the hiring thing, that was just because COVID created a huge amount of demand, surplus demand, which then resulted in people just hiring, which is not just a consulting industry issue, which is also a tech industry issue. And companies that kind of, you know, yeah. areas had a problem. But, but when you're talking about industries and growth, it was suddenly aware that lots of companies, there's two elements here, lots of companies suddenly need to like tighten their purse strings because yeah because they interest, were rates. Not, yeah. interest rates and they were not making as much profit like that's not true they were making crap loads of profit the issue was that they just were not having 
the same kind of impact as before, which meant that the easiest way to cut things down was cut down on cost centers, which is again, people and like IT systems and things like that. On the same hand, public services and public groups basically found out that, well, our infrastructure is really old because there's been a number of scandals and stuff showing that the public infrastructure is not up to speed for modern era. So oh, I can tell you just by driving across the street or trying to catch a train, I don't need to, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So which requires all these companies coming in and consulting in and modernizing stuff, which is new areas of growth and work, but at the same time, it's not yeah. as simple as, hey, we can just do this and not every shop comes in and can fix that either. Yeah, yeah. I mean so, so I would, but I would say overall, right? 2023 year of economic headwinds, like the rara times of cheap money were over and that impacted consulting as well. Although to your point, if I were to look forward, which I'm not going to do at extensive lengths because this is a year recap bits here, I am undecided on whether, how that will continue in 24, because to your point, this might also create new pockets of demand, especially around running a more efficient organization, right? Uh, optimizing, I don't know, working capital or cash flow or whatever, right? In, in the large enterprises. And I'm just saying that because I had a discussion with a friend this week where we were sort of reflecting on or discover, I should say, discovering the fact that, yeah, he and I both graduated university in 2009, 10-ish. So after the recession, mm -hmm. financial crisis and so forth. And people our age, so I'm not going to date me precisely, but let's say if you are in the mid or end 30s or even early 40s, chances are people in your age group are now running large parts of large companies. Like they might, they might have significantly senior management positions. That means they have come up in their business career and never encountered significant positive interest rates, right? It's like you might have gone one and a half decades with very low or even negative interest rates in your geography. Well, negative interest is probably not for business lines of credit, but still cheap money mm -hmm. and, and you could get it. So yeah, that might create interesting pockets of demand for consultancies who are good at running a tight chip and lean operations and so forth in the coming years. And maybe to run that out, on the other hand, uh, specifically for my market here in Germany, we have this weird thing where judges decided that parts of the government's budget were illegal. So they have way less money to spend than they expected to have. I fully expect that to, to punch through a variety of industries and then into consulting as well. It's just less public investment. And that is a chunk of overall GDP, if you think about it. So so that's coming in, in 24, I guess. Sorry, that I, I looked ahead again, uh, didn't mean to do that. But there was one more thing in 23 we need to talk about, and that is, of course, um, artificial effing intelligence. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I still don't know how it'll impact the industry, but I heard a good joke. Do you want to hear it? Go on, hit me. It's a, it's a math mathematician's joke my brother told me. He asked me, how, as a mathematician, how do you tell whether you work in statistics, big data, machine learning, or AI? But the answer is you look at the size of your marketing budget <laughs> because besides that, it's all literally the same. I thought it was funny. So there you have that. No, but I mean, it, it hit and it sort of hit like a freight train this year with chat GPT stuff and then a bunch of other tools popping up and people building tools around it. I, friend of the show, Pavel Sikola, people who've been listening to this longer might remember him as the founder of Ask Brian, right? The, mm -hmm. that 
AI yeah, assistant that yeah. is specifically designed for consultants that lives in your Microsoft team environment. They got acquired this year, so he's he sold the business. So there was, and I have their stuff down as a bit more serious, a contender for driving change in consulting. Yeah. Uh, than ChatGPT, which okay, undeniably also does things. I'm still not clear about what or how much exactly. And I don't know where you land on it, but it leaves me at a place where I'm happy I can switch off over Christmas and not hear about it for a while. Like, there seems to be a lot of buzz, and I'm still not entirely clear about what it meant well, for consulting. <clears throat> well, I don't know if we, you have a take. We, in terms of if you're looking about generative AI, what it means for consulting is simple, all the iterative tasks and everything is going to be a little useless. Like I, I actually have a very good, I, I was speaking to a friend of mine about this. So you and I have clearly read Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. And yes, and I have read some of the subsequent uh, studies in the field that shed a bit of a interesting light on it. But that's discussion for different podcasts yeah so <laughs> essentially the system one and system two thinking or basically emotional reaction thinking and you know logical structural thinking so what essentially happens when companies or decision makers more than companies decision makers have to make key decisions is instead of running to the gut like someone oh my god the sky is falling some market rates crashing, something like that. And then suddenly they come up with like millions of new ideas and proposals and stuff like that. Instead of that, you could be like, oh my God, all of this stuff is happening. And they have the emotional reaction, but before they have the emotion, before they act upon the emotional reaction, they can be like, give me a readout of all the possible consequences of this, because what generative AI does is just gives you the, you know, things that it would take you longer to generate in terms of like looking at solutions. So you can still get the quote unquote logical stuff and yeah. say, seeing all the outcomes of the problem, but then you can use your intuition and emotional thinking and all of that to choose if it's about right course of action or not. So yeah. certain decisions can be made better and faster. It doesn't mean it doesn't take away the human element, yeah. but I believe in fields that are all to do with advisory and systems integration and things like that. This is an area that it will slowly grow into. It's not quite there yet because people are not applying it necessarily in those ways, but yeah. That is interesting to me because to your very point, yes, the analytical, the, inf the insights gathering, the data retrieval, all that stuff, these things that they can now be automated and it can be generated much quicker. But the need for what that does is it creates more need for expert interpretation of the outputs. That's yes. one thing. And it creates a much higher need for all the fluffy stuff we used to refer to as change management in the earlier days, which is a very, again, sorry, looking forward. If the emphasis moves from the analysis to the people engagement piece, I'm I'm very interested in seeing how that plays out in the real world. So to to put to make a no, this is not a prediction because that would be stupid to predict that. But generally, directionally, what it could mean is it could mean that McKinsey type sharp analytics work or 
what they claim to be doing, right? Let's put a bunch of data scientists on it and engineer the, com- the options and so forth. That could be completely commoditized. And the pieces of work which nowadays get done by very often small change management firms, right? That come in with a yeah. flip chart and work with line managers and so forth. All this stuff, the big strategy firms not necessarily want to touch. That could actually become the prime real estate in consulting if you think about it. So so that, that would be funny. And then to my earlier point, the need for deep expertise in interpreting it, that is, I have lots of discussions with clients around that very aspect of AI, which is mm-hmm. fine. Now you have a bunch of machine outputs and a fancy dashboard and a bunch of automated stuff. It's equivalent to the EKG system in medicine, right? That protects yes. a nice yeah. Uh, yeah. curve. And then, but you still need someone who's very experienced in looking at it to interpret the curve, right? Otherwise, all the automated fancy output doesn't do much. So well, no. that also could mean a shift in consulting. I think we we discussed this previously also. I don't know. We did Sorry. discuss, there's always going to be a need for expertise, but people mm-hmm. just need to realize that they need the expertise, not they need everything. Yeah. And it's funny that the machines become so more, much more unreliable now. Like an Excel spreadsheet might have had mistakes in it. But because it was so dependent on parameters and input, and it was very clear how, yeah. or, well, very clear, I shouldn't be saying that I spent afternoons trying to find a mistake and a sequence of formulas. But at the end, you could get a handle on, was this right? Or if not, where did the mistake come from? Yep. Gen AI in particular seems to be giving you so much bullshit. It's really difficult sometimes, especially if you're not a very well-versed expert, to tell the good advice or good output from the bad output. So yeah, it's interesting how that will Ew. I feel like there's more change coming in that we don't know about. Yeah. As in because we're not thinking about it, not because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Please, or we so. are in the middle of it. We are in the middle of it and it's difficult to tell, right? And in 50 years' time, we'll look back and we'll give it a name and say, oh, that was when the that was the beginning of the such and such period, right? The age of screens ended and the age of the wristwatch began. I don't know, right? But it's hard to tell now. But I love it. I think- okay, go on. Sorry. No, sorry. I just wanted to. I just wanted to maybe round it out and say, but I think the, these were the three big things, right? Economic headwinds, self-made yes. scandals in the industry, and yeah. damn it, Gen AI, which is a bit of statistics and steroids. Sorry. Yes. But hey, do, do we want to talk about the podcast real quick? Because you you pulled some stats from Spotify, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's- which I mean, let's before we get into that. How much does Spotify actually count for most of our stats? Because I need to know while I bring this up, because unfortunately I didn't have it right in front of me. Yes, we had a very interesting year, don't we? When you look at it, because I think Spotify was right on one simple thing. We did have more episodes this year. Yeah. That's the key thing to begin with. And this seems to be, at least on a Spotify level, lots more growth. So last year, if I remember right, and this is why my initial shout, Canada was the spot for number one listeners for us. And this time, nearly a third, slightly more than a third, of our listeners come from the United States. And that's... Interesting. Did we lose any Germans? I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, I will say that we didn't have Germany in the top five. Nice. Which is interesting. 
because it's I think the only countries in Europe that are in the top five are the United Kingdom and the Czech Republic. All right. Yeah. yeah, greetings to the Czech Republic. That was that amazing as well. But then yeah. Spotify doesn't see all the statistics. I would have to dive into the, the popping dashboard to see the regions. But yeah, typically there's not too much deviation because it's, it's such a big channel. Do you know what it says here? We have more minutes created. Do you Is that like the length of podcasts we've put up or what is that? I yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Exactly. We, we, we uploaded 1,200 1, minutes of you and me talking with guests. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot. Anyways. Yes, exactly. We actually had a lot more this time than last year, which is, let's be honest, it is insane when you think about it. So I what I was just trying to bring up from there is yeah. apparently we're being listened to in 22 countries. So thank you to all the listeners listening to us in those 22 countries with the US, the UK, and Australia being in that order, the top three. Yeah. Canada is now in number four. I'm not really sure how that happened. Maybe we stopped being interesting to you guys. But yes. But that said, we must be a little bit funny because it seems like the top genres that people listen to us and listen yeah. to us in like business have, and comedy. Do you have Nepal in the Spotify stats? No. I don't because they show up on they show up in in the pop bean dashboard. So yeah, yes. I that's yeah. wild to me. All right, um, wild to me is the fact that nearly a little over eighty percent actually share us via the direct link. Yeah, Which... yeah. Thank you, thank you for sharing the podcast. Yes. I should also say that. Yes, really um, appreciate that. And but what I do want to say is while we are like a top ten for like. 50 of you on Spotify and top five for 26 of you, the six of you for whom we are the top podcast. And <laughs> we'd like to hear from you because... Yeah. So either you're listening to this, you, you have a podcast up just to listen to us, though. I don't know. Mom, is that you? And Or there's other reasons. So if you self-identify one of these people do write in we'd love to hear from you yeah. we can give you recommendations for other podcasts also <laughs> well more importantly we could probably actually have a discussion about some of the things that we're talking about <clears throat> and if anything's relevant what would you like to hear more of what would you find interesting and stuff because let's be honest we have spoken about similar topics repeatedly because time is a flat circle in our industry and certain things that happened a few years ago keep coming back. It's like it's a simple example that we all know. At one point, we keep trying to play all the hits, all the class. And speaking of stuff that interested people, do you want me to re quickly read the most listened to episodes as seen by Poppy, not Spotify? Yeah. So. I'm pretty sure account-based marketing is going to be there. Yeah, it is, but it's it's not number four on the list for popping number one with some with some space between it and number two is productizing services with luke smyers i think and then making change is number two here um but i think that was the one with mark appel right i, Wasn't I will i think so i will say one thing um because of the way flow names episodes 
even I have no idea. Yeah, we what have, we have no idea. We gotta go back. But uh, but but I'll I'll need I reach out to those people and let them know that that they did did good. So then but then, so then following making change on, on the third place uh, goes to visible expert with That's I know weird. that Liz Liz Har and uh, her colleagues uh, about the book. And then we have building trust with strangers with Mr. Uh, Williams. Um, and then there is winning thought leadership. Is that I think that's with Chris. That's uh, the top five. Not no, not... that was the no, sorry, that was the top six. That building trust of strangers rounds out the top five. Then we have winning thought leadership, um, rethinking content, communicating value, story design, and somewhat weird, the replay of season nineteen episode one, ten capabilities, which that's just you and me rounds out the top 10. I, I think that's when we discussed about 10 things you need in your marketing. So function, are you right? saying that the account-based marketing one doesn't even show up in the top 10? Oh yeah, it does. It's on, it takes the fourth spot oh, uh, for, the the spot. for the overall yeah. statistics. Although I'll have to say, and this is how listeners can tell what prof how professional the podcast is. I have no clue how these statistics work. I don't know. I don't know if Podbean feeds into all the channels, which I presume it does because it also gives me a graphic like Channels, me, yeah. yeah, Apple Podcasts was 45% of all of you listen to us on Apple Podcasts. Spotify is actually on number two with 20%. Number three is Overcast, 6%. Google Chrome. Okay, I don't know. Sorry, yeah. Google Chrome. Sorry, that was, uh, let me use this for a short zinger. Google Chrome is actually higher than the Google Podcast app, which comes next. Uh, and I think it's scheduled for discontinuation, right? Google will pull the plug on that one. Then we have iTunes. Then we have Stitcher. These and after that, it's much. a bunch of apps I don't even know. Amazon Music Podcast. I sometimes put links to the Amazon Music thing on the LinkedIn. And it's 0.3% of the audience. That is, mm -hmm. I can stop putting those links, I think. So clearly, Apple Podcasts and, and Spotify is where it's at. Pareto Principle. Margins almost and overcast is six almost seven percent. Yeah, I don't know that app. I gotta check that out. I don't know. I think we've bored people enough with statistics on the podcast. Uh, let me round it out by saying thanks everybody for listening. It's been great fun. We'll definitely continue to do this and we'll see you soon in the next year. That's it. I think I don't have any <laughs> announcements to make with regards to the podcast for now. But uh, do we want to give a personal outlook before we say goodbye? Also, uh, a personal review. I should stop saying outlook. I'm, I'm a forward. Oh, yeah. It's guy, been, I'll say personally, it's been a topsy turvy year for me. Work wise, it's been really busy and in many ways, kind of good busy. But on a personal level, it's been kind of a year, I would say. All right. Did you, did you learn, like professionally speaking, did you learn anything? You, did you feel like you got smarter either through this podcast or not because of it? <laughs> I feel like I was I able know. to be more strategic on multiple levels because nice. the area of the business I am in is not traditional marketing or comms anymore. Yeah. The area of the business I work in because, yeah. you know, what I do. Well, I think I'll say this personally, it's been, been an exciting year. People may not, may or may not remember that we moved the family at the beginning of the year. And then professionally, yeah, I learned a bunch of more stuff in my own business and getting better at understanding not just our ideal clients, but also I think service design has been a huge focus for me. It's funny because we talk about this, or we did talk about 
that early on in the podcast and and i feel like i did some of it and felt like i know what i was doing turned out not true so i i've gotten quite a bit better at it uh, but what still has to me most i think was through this through the podcast just meeting a bunch of new interesting people having interesting discussions chats with them and yeah just building i hate this phrasing building the network but it's yeah it's somewhere between there and making new friends it's not quite but ma making acquaintances to people that are really interesting gave us a few fresh lenses to look at our stuff that that always makes this so enjoyable and we should also say you, you and i met in person this year right was that this year yes. for the first time no. yeah i mean i've known you and i have known each other for well <laughs> over four years now yeah I mean, almost, longer than that yeah and it was the first time we actually met because multiple myriad of times that we were going to meet. I, I do remember back in the day, we were supposed to meet on an SAP thing, if I remember right, which didn't happen because of other reasons. I was supposed to fly in and you were supposed to do that as well. But every time some stuff or the other happened. Yeah. Yeah. So. In summary, a wild ride of a year, but we'll decide here at the end of it that it was great. I personally am very much looking forward to the next one after, and I'll repeat this again, after a Christmas break, I do need to pause a little bit. And yeah, looking forward to speaking to you and parasocially speaking to all the listeners again yep. next year. Yeah. All right. And with that, we bid that. you a great holiday season. And a happy new year. And a happy new year indeed. Thanks, man. It was fun. Let's do another year next year. Yeah. <laughs> Speak soon. I'll stop the recording here for last recording for 23, right? See ya. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 